Hey, Reach Paramount. Welcome to our podcast. Hey, this message is from our very own evangelist, David Diga Hernandez, in a message entitled, Redeeming the Anointing. Enjoy this message. We're standing with you. And to the rest of you watching online, welcome. You all may be seated. In keeping with this month's theme, I want to talk to you about restoring the anointing on your life. Now, when I use that term, restoring the anointing, it's important that you understand that I'm not saying that God literally removes the anointing from you. I think sometimes we make the mistake of gleaning some Old Testament principles that were never meant to be transferred into the New Testament, and we apply those in places they shouldn't. So I think sometimes we have it in our minds, we imagine that the Holy Spirit will come rest on you, and then if you mess up or make a mistake, that the Holy Spirit is lifted from you. Or that if you're doing well in ministry, you're being used by God, and you fall into some sin or some compromise or maybe some pride that God says, okay, no more anointing, I'm completely taking it from you now. Uh, that's, not, that's not the way it works. And I know this because as I began to read through the New Testament, some of my mindsets and paradigms began to become challenged because I did envision it like that. I did imagine that God's power would be lifted from me if somehow I made a mistake. And it is true that you do lose something when you compromise. You do lose something when you sin and when you allow these certain character flaws to extinguish the work of God in your life. But it's not that God is taking the anointing away. It's not that God is taking his Holy Spirit away. What's actually happening is you are choosing to not submit to the influence of the Holy Spirit who never leaves you. You are choosing to not tap into the anointing, which is the power of God. That's what the anointing is. Acts 10.38 talks about the fact that Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power. The anointing, simply put, is the power of God active in your life for ministry, for evangelism, for holy living, for understanding the word? That's the work of the Spirit in you. It's the word, the terminology that we use to describe the Holy Spirit actively working in your life. But as it pertains to what I'm talking about this morning, sometimes I think that we come into places in life, if we're not careful, if we've not been keeping things as we should and Sometimes that happens. If we're not careful, we will see the diminished influence of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And again, let me emphasize, it's not that the Holy Spirit has abandoned you. It's not that God has taken away some spiritual gift or taken away some calling or taken away some anointing. And if we really think about it, that sort of thinking comes from a very self-centered mindset because We imagine that God punishes people by taking the anointing as if the anointing was ever given to them for themselves in the first place. If you understand why God anoints someone, then you understand that he will not remove that anointing from a life. He won't do it. Because he wants to use your life to impact those around you. Now, maybe there's a time in your life that you can remember that you had like this flow to your spirit. 
You were in prayer. You were in the Word. You were, as they say, on fire, which is just another term that we use to mean that you're surrendering to the Holy Spirit. You're walking as you should. And maybe there are memories that you have of moments in prayer, moments in the Word, moments of evangelizing. Maybe you were once someone who people knew they could go to for prayer. People knew that you believed in miracles. People were getting saved and healed and delivered and touched by God's power all around you. Now, I'm not just talking about a full fall from that place of ministry. When I talk about that diminishing of the Holy Spirit's work in your life, this could be in varying degrees. Maybe you did do something that absolutely train-wrecked your calling. Maybe you did do something that absolutely took you way off track, a place you never thought you would be. Or maybe you're seeing a weakening of God's power in and through your life simply by a series of compromises on a daily basis. Or maybe there is just a very subtle shift in your mind. So many things can weaken the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. And it's not that they're more powerful than the Holy Spirit. It's that we're choosing to respond to those things instead of what the Holy Spirit is doing in us. Things like doubt. You know, I've, I've never seen faith and belief quite like I've seen it in a new convert. And I've seen people get frustrated because they see a new convert come in and they get, it seems, all their prayers answered. It's just miracle after miracle after miracle. And then what happens is some religious dried up person who's become doubtful comes up to that person and tells them, well, you'll grow out of that. And because there's the diminishing of that faith, now they're kind of taught, well, yeah, I believe in miracles, but, but, but let's not get too out of hand here. Yeah, I believe in miracles, but let's not get too crazy. And, and so their faith is diminished. And because that faith is diminished, that doubt has room to grow. When that doubt has room to grow, there's a weakening of the anointing, that influence in their life. Cynicism, people who've grown up in church, I mean... When I say cynicism, I'm talking about a lack of reverence for the sacredness of a move of the Holy Spirit. Because God's power can be moving up here at this altar. People getting delivered, saved, healed. And people can be sitting out there in their seats, standing there, annoyed that it's taking too long. maybe even mocking how the people are reacting so dramatically. We pray for someone who's sick, and instead of believing that that miracle can happen, knowing that God can do it, in the back of your mind, you're telling yourself, well, it's probably not going to happen. These are subtle ways that the flesh begins to overtake the influence of the Holy Spirit. Or maybe 
there is some compromise. Maybe there is some pride. And I think we need to really rethink what pride is. See, see, we, we've kind of labeled pride as confidence. And so anyone who has confidence, we say, oh, they're arrogant. And really, that's just exposing an insecurity in you. Because confidence looks like arrogance to the insecure. But, but what I'm talking about is an actual pride. Pride is not confidence. And humility is not shyness. Pride is thinking that it's in your own ability when it's in the Lord's. And we begin to take responsibility for things that we should be leaving to God. Now you may say, well, there's nothing in my life that I think I have more control over or that I'm more responsible for than the Lord. There's nothing in my life that I try to do on my own. But doing things on your own is as simple as neglecting prayer. When you don't pray, you're telling the Lord, I can do this today without you. When you don't pray about something in ministry, you're saying, Lord, I can move ahead in ministry without you. When you don't pray for your family, you're saying, Lord, I can run my family, I can lead my family without you. When you don't pray for your marriage, you're saying, Lord, I can have a happy marriage without you. So then pride is as simple as prayerlessness. Relying upon our own wisdom. Lean not on your own understanding. It's not just something that you put on the fridge. That's a truth that should guide your life. It should be a guiding principle. But, but doing things in your own wisdom is as simple as neglecting the word. Look, no, no, no Christian, no true believer really intentionally tries to do these things on their own. If you're going to do it on your own, it's going to be without you realizing you're trying to do it on your own. None of us actually think we're doing that. But the problem is that if we don't know the word, we don't know when we're doing things contrary to God's will. And so all these things begin to create various degrees of compromise and a weakening of that influence. Now, maybe you're there. Maybe you just want to protect that. I have a saying that I tell the people on our team. I tell them, keep your battles small. What I mean by that is, don't ever allow something to become a big battle. Defeat it while it's in its infancy. Keep your battles small. So maybe you're listening to this, you're saying, okay, there, there maybe are some warning signs in my heart. Some complaining. You know that complaining is a sign that your heart is, is, is going to a bitter place. Complaint is the opposite of praise. Complaint is the opposite of praise. When I praise, it's from a heart of gratitude. When I complain, it's coming from a place of entitlement. And maybe there's some complaint in you. I could go on listing all these things that begin to weaken that influence, but let's talk about how to regain that influence. Now maybe, again, it could be a full fall. Maybe somebody watching this online, a minister, a pastor, you were once serving the Lord... And a fall took you out. This message is for you. 
Maybe you're a believer in here and you've noticed that there just seems to be a lack of what they call that fire in you. To where everything is begrudging now. Everything is hard to do. Everything is dry and dull and lifeless. And, and there's just no fire behind what you're doing. That has come about as a weakening of the anointing in your life. The good news is, the power of God, the Spirit of God, the anointing of the Holy Spirit is still in you. It has not been removed. God has not abandoned you. God has not left you to deal with yourself. God has not left you to your own mistakes. God has not washed his hands of the situation. You've not gone so far that God says, okay, now I really can't help them. He's on his own. That's just not going to happen. So the good news is, within you, the Holy Spirit of God still resides. There's a fire in there somewhere. The anointing is in there somewhere. That power is in there somewhere. That person who you want to be in Christ is somewhere in there still. That version of you that's like Jesus, that's somewhere in there still. Somewhere within you, there's someone who's patient and kind and loving and holy and walking in power and confidence and boldness and favor. Somewhere within you, there's someone who loves the word. Somewhere within you, there's someone who's a person of prayer. Someone who knows the scripture and lives it. Somewhere in you, you look like Jesus in the spirit. So how do you get back to that place where that influence of what's in you begins to actually impact your life around you? I want to show you this. So whether you've fallen all the way, whether you've had increments of compromise, whether you just see some relaxing in your spirituality, or whether you're on fire and you say, I don't ever want to get to that place. I want to show you from the Bible how to return to that place of being under the influence of the Holy Spirit, how to restore that anointing on you. Number one, repent. First John chapter 1, verse 9 says, But if we confess our sins to Him, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Now something interesting here that you can see in the Scripture is the forgiveness of God is twofold. There's, there's a twofold nature. Watch this now. But if we confess our sins to him, and that's going off the assumption that we sin. Remember, this was written to believers. So there will be times where you'll have to come to him. Likely on the daily basis. Likely multiple times a day. And for some of us who are real far gone, maybe every other second or so. <laughs> but keep doing it. He's not going to get tired of seeing you, okay? So watch this. He is what? Twofold. Faithful and just. What does that mean? Two powerful words. He is faithful and he's just. Well, he's faithful in that he's going to do it again and again for you. Now, I know we have our, our church cliches and, well, you know, if you keep on sinning and knowing that it's wrong, and I'm like thinking, who sins without knowing that it's wrong? How, how many people really sin and don't know it's wrong? 
Most of the time when you sin, you know it's wrong. So this idea that if you know it's wrong and you do it, that's it, you're sealed, God will never forgive you for that. No, he, he, that's the wonderful thing about his grace is he will forgive you even when you knew better. Now that doesn't mean, as Paul writes, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning? By no means. That's why Paul had to write that. Because everything that he had written about the grace of God was so unbelievably gracious that he had to clarify, now this doesn't mean we keep sinning, guys. But he only had to write that because the grace of God was so extravagant. So that point of clarity that he has there is there precisely because people can misunderstand the grace. But, but this shows us that God does forgive repeat offenses. Now that's good news. And if anything, that should encourage you unto holiness. See, a true believer is going to hear that and go, wow, he's going he's to forgive my repeat offenses. Then I really can start to live holy. That's what a true believer will say. A true believer will say, wow, then I get a new opportunity to try again. An unbeliever will look at that and say, well, then I get to keep sinning. But a true believer won't look at that as an opportunity to keep sinning. A true believer will look at that as an opportunity to get it right. You mean I get another chance at this? Okay, I get another chance every day. I can try again. That's how the believer looks at the grace of God. So there's a, there's a very subtle uh, difference with, the, with a major distinction between how the unbeliever and the believer sees the grace of God. But remember that a true believer, though he knows he is forgiven faithfully, though, though he knows he is forgiven again and again, a true believer will never intentionally take advantage of that grace. Now, he's faithful in that he does it consistently. Thank God for that. Thank God it wasn't just a one time and that's it. And he's just. What does that mean? It means that he goes about it legally. He's just in forgiving you. Why is he just? It's perfectly just because of what Christ did on the cross. It's perfectly within the legal system of heaven that you be forgiven. It's just. So he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us. So not just forgive us, he also cleans us. He doesn't just pardon us from punishment, he cleanses our nature. And this should lead to a lifestyle of repentance. Now, that term repent literally does mean to change your mind, but in a biblical context, it means to change your mind with the result of turning from sin. To change your mind in such a way that it changes the, the direction that you're going. So repent doesn't mean to turn from. Repent means to change your mind. But in changing your mind, it causes you to turn from sin. A change of mind that results in the forsaking of sin. We come into agreement with God. That's repentance. Looking at everything that's wrong in your life looking at things that are wrong in your nature and not trying to excuse them, not trying to explain them, not trying to keep them, but coming into agreement and saying, you know what, God, I'm with you on this one. That thing needs to go. God, I agree with you. This needs to change. That's repentance. So number one, repent. A change in mind that results in the forsaking of sin. Number two, return. 
Return to prayer and the word. Return to doing those things that cultivate that fire of the spirit in your life. Return to doing those things that transform your nature. The Bible says this in Revelation chapter 2. I'm going to read Revelation 2 and then verses 2 through 5. Revelation 2, 2 through 5. This is the Lord speaking to the church. I know all the things you do. I have seen your hard work and patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the claims of those who say they are apostles but are not. You have discovered they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. You see, it's not possible to return to these places without first repenting from sin. There is a very complex struggle that people who've fallen from grace go through. Maybe there was a season of your life where you knew you were just thriving spiritually. And then you went out back into the world and you came back and just something was different. Something's off. You feel now like you're, back then you felt like you were a part of it. You were in. Now it seems you're on the outside looking in and you're just grateful to be a little part of it. Can I tell you, that sort of thinking comes about as a result of believing lies of the enemy. Because when God forgives, he doesn't just forgive and pardon. He cleanses and he restores. Now watch this. Some of you have difficulty, after you've repented, you have difficulty returning to prayer because of the guilt of your past sin. You feel like God doesn't even want to look at you. Some of you, after repenting, have trouble returning to the word because of the frustration of lost time. You know, you guys are going to be entering a season of fasting. There, there's this app I use where it counts calories. I can't stand that thing. It's basically budget for food. <laughs> and, and you know, some people don't have very many savings. When they go over there, they're just adding to it. it just, this just limits you, right? And, and I've noticed something, that if I have one good day, oh, the next day I'm ready to do it again. And then the next day I'm ready to do it again. But, but the moment I have one, like, like we're, we are in, in, in Texas now, the two things that they told me would bother me actually do. <laughs> the weather, and there's no good food where we are. And when I say good, there's good, okay? But there's no like, okay, like, it's hard to explain. But so, so we came down here, and the first thing we did, we literally landed, and we went to uh, Paul's place. And, we, and I, I said, I just, I overdid this. I felt like I needed to repent. <laughs> I needed to be restored. The, the, they don't even have French fries like that. I don't even eat French fries. And I, I got French fries there because there, just, there, was, there was nothing like that. 
And so it was a little harder for dinner to do well when I messed up so badly for lunch. And sometimes I think spiritually it's like that. I, I didn't read, I, I've missed out on so much of knowing the word. And just the discouragement of lost time itself can keep you from getting back in the word. And this is why it's difficult to return. So some people, after they repent, can't return to prayer because of guilt. Some people, after they repent, can't return to the word because they're so frustrated with how much time they lost. And some people have difficulty returning to holiness because of how they blemish their record. They just kind of wear it on themselves as just part of their identity now. I'm the backslider. I was the one who went away and came back. I'm the one who was once anointed and is not. I'm the one who was flowing in ministry and then something happened. And you just kind of got off balance. And there's just something, even though you have repented, there's something that still needs to be returned. And the real breakthrough for you is going to come when you finally, number three, realize. Realize that that record of blemish that you feel is so discouraging, that that lost time that you feel you could never make up for, that that mark that you wear on yourself because you feel it's a part of your identity that causes you to feel like you're on the outside looking in, like you could never quite get back to where you are. All of that wrongdoing, all of that sin, all of those character flaws are not more powerful than the power of the blood of Jesus. You need to come back to the place where you realize that the gospel applies to you too. You are not the exception to the rule. And I think because of this, people wear these things in their own mind and they're just, it's a self-defeating mentality of identifying with their past and they see themselves in the light of their old mistakes and then they think everyone else sees them in that light and it just creates this tension, this awkwardness, this off-centered spirituality. But you have to come back to the place where you realize that when God says your past is clean, that it's clean. That when God says your record is cleared, your record is cleared. That's the power of the blood of Jesus. Isn't that the central message? Isn't that what this is all about? That God restores, God forgives. That yes, your past really can be left behind. You really can move ahead. Psalm 103, 8-14 says this. The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. Watch this now. Verse 9. He will not constantly accuse us. So if there's accusation going on, it's not him. Nor remain angry forever. Verse 10. Whoa, this is, thank God for verse 10. He does not punish us for all our sins. Oh, thank you, Lord. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love toward those who fear him is as great as the heights of the heavens of, of the earth. He has removed our sins 
As far from us as the east is from the west, the Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. For he knows how weak we are. He remembers we are only dust. God's forgiveness is what gives you the freedom to move forward. And my friend, it is time to move forward. Not just to repent, but to return to your first love. To return to being who you are in Christ. To return to being a prayer warrior, a person of the spirit, a person of the word, a person who believes in miracles. Not just to return to some weaker version of your former self, but to come back in the fullness of the power of the Holy Ghost. That's what God has given you the ability to do. So repent, return, realize, and number four, reach ahead. God doesn't just want to restore you to where you used to be. He wants to restore you to where you used to be and then take you further than you ever imagined you could go. God wants you to reach ahead now. But you can't reach ahead if you haven't realized His forgiveness. And you can't realize His forgiveness if you haven't returned to doing those things which strengthened you. And you can't return to those things that strengthened you until you first repented. It all begins with repentance, but it doesn't end there. Some believers repent, and then they just go on defeated. Oh, man, the enemy really took me out, but thank God God forgave me. No, it's time now for a comeback. It's time now to be strengthened again, and not just strengthened like you were. God is going to take you further. God wants you to go to greater depths, higher heights, become even more like Jesus in this season than you've ever been. Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 through 16 say this. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. Forgetting the past, that's key, and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. If you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. But we must hold on to the progress we have already made. Get back in ministry. Get back to serving. Man of God, get back to fighting for your family. Woman of God, get back to your prayer closet. Student of the Word, get back in the Word. Get back to the altar and worship. Get back to the streets and evangelize. Get back to the family gatherings and start praying for the sick. Get back to the place where you believe in miracles. It's time to come back. It's time to return to the high place. If you're ready to do it, I want you to stand, begin praying out loud in the Holy Ghost. Come on, out loud, boldly in the Holy Ghost. God's going to restore some people today. It's time to return. It's time to return. If that's you, you're saying, I need to return. I need to return. I've already repented. I've already got it right with God. But something's just not quite like it used to be. You're saying, I've repented, but now I need to return. Then forget about your pride. Forget about what others are thinking. 
It's time to come back to that place of your first love where you didn't care what anybody thought about you, where you didn't care if you looked ridiculous, where you didn't care if people shamed you. It's time now to return to the high place. If that's you, you say, I'm, I've repented, but now I need to return. Then get down to this altar right now and don't worry about who sees you. Come down right now. God's going to restore some things. God's going to take you back to the place. And then he's going to go and take you to higher places, higher places, higher places. Thank you, God, that you're a God who restores. Thank you, God, that you're a God who reaches down to where we are and brings us back where we need to be. He's doing it in you. You got to get back in ministry. You got to get back on track. You got to get back to the vision. You got to get back to trying in your family, in your home. It's time. It's time. It's time. Return, return, return. And God will restore. God will restore that which you thought was lost. God will restore that which you thought was lost. Light that fire again, Lord. Light that fire again, Lord. Not a moment of emotion, not a moment of hype, but Lord, that fire that is from everlasting to everlasting, that eternal flame that only you can place upon the altar of our hearts. Let it be done now, that work in us in the name of Jesus. Thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount. To give and support this podcast and ministry, visit our website at reachparamount.com slash give.